Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hi, everyone. We have Sterling Nielsen here today, and Sterling is a... Um, a uh, graduate from Lemmy, he's gone through, uh, gone through, how many different classes did you take, Sterling? Quite a few. I took, oh boy, I took Quest, Georgics, um, Pyramid Project, Edison Project. Um, I think every, every Lemmy project the school offered, I, I took it, you know, I, let's see, Unleashing Your Voice, I took Key of Liberty, Sword of Freedom, probably some others that I'm not remembering. Shakespeare Project. I, I, yeah, lots of lots and lots of projects, lots of classes. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's it's you've checked off almost all of them. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, you graduated in 2018, right? Yep. Yep, that's correct. Awesome. Okay, what have you what have you done since then? I uh, left on a mission to serve for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to serve in Ukraine in the Dnipro mission um, in summer of 2019. I was there for the first year and a half of the COVID pandemic, um, came back in 2021, and then I started BYU at Brigham Young University uh, a couple, about a month after I got back, and that's where I've been since. I um uh, I got married six months ago. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. So what are you studying? I am studying uh, wildlife and wildlands conservation. Um, it's quite a mouthful, but it's lots of fun. Oh, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Oh, that's what awesome. What you into studying wildlife conservation? Um. So it was kind of a funny journey. I grew up on a farm, um, kind of a little family hobby farm, and I raised beef cattle. But anyways, and so I've always been super interested in the outdoors, uh, spent a lot of time outside. And so when I came back from my mission, um, you know, I grew up in Oregon, you know, where the environment's a pretty um, big concern. And so I never really thought much about that. And then uh, when I lived in Ukraine, you know, there's um, some different circumstances. And so it started, got me starting to think about the environment. And so when I first got back from a mission, my major was environmental science. Um, and then while I was in that for a little while, it kind of uh, discovered that there were some things, classes I had to take that weren't really what I was interested in studying. Um, and, you know, I, was, I didn't really know what career I would, I would go to with that. And then from there, I transitioned. I actually became a dance major. My first semester, I tried out for the ballroom team, and I made it on the ballroom team. And so I was in, involved in the dance world. I was a dance major for about a year. Um, so as you can imagine, lots of dance classes. Um, it, this was something interesting to me because um, – I danced before in my life, but I never at this level, you know, I'd, I'd never um, seen dance as, the art, as an art form. 
I guess. Um, and as a way to express yourself, I thought it was more of just a social thing. Um, and that's what, the role it played in my life. Um, anyways, and then I realized same thing with the dance major. A lot of classes I didn't really want to take. You know, I really like dancing, but um, maybe not what I wanted to do with my life. And so then I found out about the wildlife and wildland conservation uh, major. And that one had everything I wanted to study. And I was like, you know, I don't have to know what I want to do for my career. If I know what I want to study, I'm going to study that and figure it out as I go. So oh, anyways, that's kind awesome. of a long story, but. It's a really, well, environmental, that I could kind of see how that applies to what you're doing now, but mm -hmm. the dance is very different and that yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, did you that's dance? That's so funny because my brother who served in Ukraine as well, he was a dance major and then uh, switched to languages because he also got to the realization that he didn't want to dance for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so that's, that's so funny those things are in common but um i think it's also interesting what you when you said if i study what i if i do if i if i if i study what i love then i can figure out what i'll end up doing for a career mm -hmm. and so what made you decide that that was a wise way i'm not trying to be like I'm just putting you in the hot spot here like why, why do you think that's a wise way to choose a career? Because like most people in conventional would be like, no, pick the the, the sticker price of the job and then get mm -hmm. the education to fit the job. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple couple trains of thought that I had. For one, um, if I'm studying what I love to study, I'm going to do better in school. I'm going to be more involved and I'm going to be learning. And these days, um, I feel like a lot of jobs, they don't really care as much what you studied. Um, as more of the fact that you studied well. Um, and also, I realized that, you know, jobs, jobs changed a lot um, since coming, coming back from that mission. I've gone through a few different jobs and um, what they value is not necessarily uh, does your major perfectly line up with what we're doing here. Um, but they, they really value um, hard workers people who are intelligent um, and as far as, and even going as far as if I know what my life mission is, which is often lines up with what you're passionate about, um, then, you know, a career is something that helps me along that path and not just um, a career isn't the end destination. Uh, there, I can go, I can go through a lot of different careers, but then the end destination isn't a specific job. A job is a means to an end. Yes, I love that. Another thing that while you were talking just like came to my mind is one of my favorite, I would say, statesmen in agriculture. Is, his name is Gabe Brown. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. But I, lo I love Gabe Brown. Yeah, he's pretty cool. But anyways, I was listening to one of his the YouTube videos, or it might have been in his book. I can't remember. But he was talking about how he decided he wanted to be a farmer. And so then he got all the loans and everything set up and he was farming the first year he farmed there was like this epic hailstorm that like literally only hit his fields like mm -hmm. you know that happens and like he just failed so bad but he like he was like no this is what I want to do it's really really want to do and then he failed 
the next year and then he's like you're a city slicker you can't be a farmer you don't know what you're doing you know but he's, he's mm-hmm. like no this is what I'm gonna do but he says through all those failures or what looked as perceived failures it's what forced him to learn how to do restoration agriculture yeah like if he had been successful he would never have been able to be where he is today with the, the yield that he has with his land be, because he had to the failure forced him to grow so i think like people could say like oh my gosh sterling's totally failing in college because he can't pick a major mm-hmm. but like you could also see it as like no as i struggled to discover what i want those things lead me to what and ultimately will end up being for my i think ultimate benefit yeah and i would even go i would even say that um you know, it's not even, it's not even failures. It's just more of discovering who I am and what I want. Cause I'm going out there, I'm experiencing, you know, and I feel like a lot of times um, my peers will get kind of decision paralysis where they, they can't decide on something because they don't want to commit because a commitment sounds like a commitment. Um, and so they don't commit, but um, I think that, you know, you got to commit in order to really decide if that's what you want. And that's what led me to um, what I'm currently studying. I wouldn't have got there if I hadn't been a dance major because I wouldn't have considered it in the same light because becoming a dance major opened my eyes to, okay, I can do anything. What do I want to do? And it's interesting that you brought up regenerative agriculture because that's something that I've found is one of my true passions. farming in a way that's not damaging and and really helps both the land and people um and so that's that's you know i haven't i haven't committed to a career obviously but that's i feel like that my mission lies in regenerative agriculture and so whatever career i choose whether it is to be a farmer or something else i know what my passion is and i know where my life mission lies yeah, I think your the the degree that you'll end up getting will be really beneficial for you being able to have impact in that field because mm-hmm. while a lot of people who are movers and shakers don't necessarily have a degree, I think that the policymakers look to those who have degrees to kind of mm-hmm. direct the ship. So the more people with degrees who are pushing, you know, regenerative agriculture, I think the more we'll be able to change the policies that keep mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, monocultures and big, big farms that run monocultures in existence. So Mm -hmm. that's really awesome. That's so cool. So how do you feel like having um, an education like you did prepared you to make decisions as an adult? Mm -hmm. Um, I, one of the the biggest things, um, that I feel like my education taught me was how to think and not just what to think. Um, you know, I, in college, I feel like, you know, the first month maybe I kind of had to figure out how to do the whole um, public education thing, you know, but it didn't take me long. And um, I wouldn't say it was a setback because I knew how to think. And so I'm like, okay, I, this is how this system works. This is how learning works in the system. And because I knew how to think, I was able to approach it um, in a healthy manner and not just kind of panic. Um, and I really feel like knowing how to think is 
just one of the most beneficial life tools you can have because um, if I know how to think, then I know how to, you know, come to conclusions. I know how to um, follow a train of thought and not just do what I'm told, you know. Uh, you get, I definitely know people who are becoming a doctor because their dad's a doctor and that's, he's like, you should be a doctor and grow up. And they're just, you know, they're doing that. And so they're just kind of going with the flow. And, you know, sometimes maybe I don't want to go with the flow. And so I know how to think and reason for myself. And so I feel like that's really helped me prepare. Um, it's taught me how to be my own person. You've, you've mentioned mission a lot and leadership mm-hmm. education definitely has that mission component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that influenced you in your education and in your life so far? Um, I would say that knowing that there's more purpose to life than just existing um, has been a really um, empowering thing. I feel like um, a lot of my peers, uh, they, they just want to, you know, grow up, get a job, go to, go to school, get a job, settle down. And, um, that honestly is scary to me. Um, the thought of, you know, like there being something that it's like, I've accomplished it and then I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm put out the pasture. Um, because I feel like every, every day of my life is, a day I can make um, some sort of impact. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't remember that every day. I have my, my bad days, but I definitely feel like mission really helps move me um, to happiness because you're happiest. I feel like when you're accomplishing something that you're passionate about. So, um, when you're talking about your first struggling your first couple months in college I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the biggest fears that I would Mm -hmm. say homeschool parents have is Mm -hmm. that if I homeschool my kid will they able to be okay in college and so it's it's just really interesting to hear because it's like um you're saying well yeah I was it was definitely an adjustment but I had all like I could figure it out right it wasn't like Mm -hmm. you know you know trusting me and as as I look at like when I went to college even though I went to college with predominantly homeschool kids because I went to George with <laughs> um I, I did notice that it was a difference between me and the other kids in a lot of ways because I already knew a lot about my own self-governance and my own time management and my own mm-hmm. um all these like vital skills that I'd already learned so it's like why my peers were trying to figure out how to like party on the weekends and still get good grades like, yeah to me it was like oh it's it's 10 or 11 I'm going to bed you know like, uh-huh. you know, like just like being able to regulate yourself and those kind of things that was something I thought was unique and then yeah the other thing, I had a conversation with a family member and they were, uh, they were talking about my youngest brother who went to high school but they just they assumed that all of my whole family was homeschooled and they were like well, how's he doing in college I'm like well it took him a year to figure things out and they're like oh that's because he was homeschooled I was like, no, he went to high school. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's the only one that's like, so like, I think a lot of it is dependent on like personality and whether mm-hmm. the, the person's going to struggle in college is a, really their personality. And, and, and it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because um, we had peer mentors at BYU for our first year. 
And my peer mentor was pretty amazed at how quickly I adapted. Um, she was like, I don't, I don't know how to help you because you don't need help. Um, and I, I think that the reason that I, the first month was an adjustment was because I wasn't used to, um, you know, and let me, sometimes some of the projects, you know, you, you have bigger assignments and so they're not due every other day. And so I think I kind of, um, I kind of thought that, you know, I have homework due Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? I was like, holy cow, how am I going to have time to get that done? And I didn't realize that the scope and the scale was different. Um, you know, I, my scaling was just a little bit off and, you know, it took me a couple, a few weeks to get adjusted. And then I once I got my scaling um, to the college, what, what their level was. And then I was like, oh, that's, I'm, I'm stressing for myself out for no reason. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, anytime you go from, one system to another, it's, it's different, you know, one kilometer per hour isn't one mile per hour. Um, you, you're both, both of them are traveling distance, but you know, if you, if you are going, uh, used to kilometers per hour and you go to miles per hour, you might, um, you might be like, Oh no, I'm going too slow or vice versa. I'm going too fast, but you just have to kind of make that transition in your mind. I love that analogy. So one of the big emphases we, we put in, in Lemmy is classics. Um, how have you mm -hmm. seen classics impact your life, um, either in, in the past or in the present? Or um, I really feel like the ideas that these books teach are um, really what education is all about. Um, I see in university a lot of... Um, what they're trying to accomplish with the education is teach the principles that you learn about in classics. But um, it's something that's a lot more personal if you go and learn it yourself, as opposed to having a professor tell it to you. Because I've had professors tell me something multiple times, and then I go and learn it for myself, and that's when it really hits home. And I feel like the beauty of classics is they teach these principles, um, but they're not uh, kind of hitting you with a fire hose you are um intaking it on your own um and so these principles become a lot more personal they're oftentimes wrapped in stories like one of my favorite classics is Les Miserables um I love I love that book um and that was uh a book that really taught me about um uh, what it means to be a human and what emotion means, um, which in various art forms, like right now I'm in a residential design class, uh, residential landscape design class, and that's a very art focused. I didn't think it would be as art focused as it is, but it's very much focused on the artistry of landscaping. And then in my his history with dance classes, um, there's a lot of focus on artistry and a lot of that focused on human emotion. And so that's something I feel like I learned because of this classic, I learned what it means to be human and what it means to feel these emotions. And it was, uh, these professors are trying to teach it to us, um, but it was very well portrayed by that story that was taught in that book. Oh, I love that. It was so, so powerful because it's, we just finished reading, I don't know if you've ever read The Bridge to Terabithia or have you even heard of that? Um, mm, I've heard of it. Um, but it's it's a chat it's a children's book we just finished reading it with my kids and 
um, like the premise of the story is this little boy was an artist, but he was kind of a loner and he was getting picked on a ton in school. And then in moves this girl who is this got all these ideas and she's a dreamer and they become really good friends and they build this make believe land and like kind of like a Narnia village that they retreat mm-hmm. to and they run to. And then the girl end up passing away and dying and the boy um, has to figure out how to navigate life without her anyway. So we're listening to the story and like, the, it was just it was really well written story and, and my girls were like super into it and then when the girl dies they're like this is so stupid why did he, why would anyone ever be like ever want to write a book like this like it's so dumb and it's horrible and they were so upset and as was like listening to them bet I'm like yeah it is really stupid but I think one of the biggest problems we have in today's culture is every story that is popular has an epic happy ending mm-hmm. and it does a huge disfavor to us because life isn't about like necessarily this epic happy ending mm-hmm. um, because, and, and so I was like, listen, that, you know, his friends never couldn't come back, but the way that the author ends the book is he builds a bridge. Anyways, the bridge that helps other kids get into this special place where they can dream and create and be. And he's, and it's like, the idea is, how do we move forward when life takes away from us the things that are precious and beautiful? Because that's, that will happen. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like classics with the story format, just like you can, you can tell someone all the day long that life's going to be hard or that like, you know, all these different things might happen. But as soon as you read the story of, you know, Jean Valjean, you you see this innocent man who's trying to just take care of his family and all the horrible things that ends up happening to him because of society you can feel so much more what it means to be human than just somebody telling you, you know, it's like when you build out of concrete and it's hard surfaces, you're portraying the emotion of X, Y, and Z. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like you can tell me that all day, but until I experience it through vicariously through Jean Valjean, I know what concrete is now because you can see the concrete in the prison cells that he's in. Right. Like I can mm-hmm. see what the concrete can do to the aesthetic design of the place and the purpose yeah. of it. Yeah, I really think that um, uh, emotion has to be also experienced in order to be able to portray it. And that was one of the things that I felt when I read Les Miserables was um, Victor Hugo, He, the way he wrote it, he made me feel the things he was feeling. Like, you know, a lot of people, they they get stuck in the boring parts of Les Mis, so quote unquote boring. Um, like, for example, the the whole battle where it's just like three or four, I can't remember how many chapters. It's the whole section of the book, uh, The Battle of Waterloo, and you have no clue what's going on. Like, I remember reading that. And then I realized at the end of the book that he made me feel exactly what everyone there was feeling. They had no clue what was going on. Um, and, you know, I, I think that uh, it's, it's one of those things where a classic helps you gain experience that, um you would otherwise yeah you would have to go out and experience but it helps you condense that into maybe a more manageable thing like you know and in the time it took me to read Les Miserables I would definitely not have been able to live all those things but I learned them from the experiences of other people because that's really what knowledge is I feel like it's experience applied um and these classics I really I really feel like that's what they taught me growing up is they gave me 
these experiences and this not um, this knowledge that I could go then go in and apply. And uh, it definitely, I feel like it gave me an advantage over many of my peers who, you know, they learned lots of information, but they didn't uh, experience very much. And yeah. You just blew my mind about Les Mis. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, it totally makes sense why he totally added all those. I think it's like 150 pages mm-hmm. about the water, Battle of Waterloo. And literally, I just sped read it because I couldn't really understand any of it. But now I get why I put it in there for, to make fill us the frustration of what mm-hmm. all those soldiers felt when they're dying on the battlefield for what they don't even know why. That is so mm-hmm. cool. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Were there any other cl- classics that you read that really impacted you as well? Um, there was one. Uh, one other that comes to mind. I mean, most of most of the classics we read were impactful in one way or another. Um, I really remember this is a book we read. I think it was an Edison project. It's called The Alchemist. And I love that book. Yeah, yeah, and that's a book that really. Um, we're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. You know, it's funny. If you were to ask me about what the book was about, you know, I, the details are fuzzy, but I still can remember what I felt and how I, what I learned. Um, it really gave me a sense of mission on how... Um, you know, my mission is going to be unique and it's going to, I'll, sometimes, you know, I'm going to feel like I'm wandering and not, I don't know where I'm going because there's definitely been parts of my life, um, even right now, where there's some aspects of my life where I kind of feel like I'm wandering. I'm like, where where am I going? Um, and all I can do is move forward. And it also taught me uh, kind of the beauty of the journey Um to not, it's not all about the destination. I think uh, in Western civilization, we're very destination focused. You know, we when we build a building, we want the building to be built. Um, and I think that we lose part of um, a large part of what what a journey means um, when we when we're destination focused, and and instead we can focus on what the experience was like as we go along. And I think that. You know, doing all these all these um, Lemmy projects has was it was a journey for me because you know there was there was lots of times when I was like, okay, when I'm done, I'm gonna I'm gonna have all this all this knowledge. I'm gonna be so cool. You know, as a twelve year old, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna be like those cool older kids. Um, but it was, and you know, I get to the, I got to the end, and I re- I do feel like I really enjoyed the experiences along the way, but looking back, I realized that that was one of the most precious and valuable times in my life. And um, I feel like it wasn't always easy, but you know, when is life ever easy? Um, it is on occasion and then it's not. And, but it definitely was a beautiful journey. Now you belong to a community. How did, can you describe the community and how it impacted your life? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel like uh, I had a very, very good group of peers, a very good um, 
uh, mentors, adults who helped me along the way. And I never, I never was afraid to be who I am in that community. Um, and I feel like it really helped me develop who I am today because, um, for example, agriculture, it's not the most flashy thing in today's world. Um, but I never felt like I was less than for, um, loving agriculture. Um, these people, they, they were very concerned about my growth, um, but not pushy about it. They were just concerned about me as a human being, you know, they, they loved me and they wanted to help me and, uh, and they did help me, but they didn't, they didn't force it upon me. And so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like that community was one of the best communities I've ever had. Um, some of my closest friends, I would say two of my very best friends today are from uh, the group I grew up with. They were in the group I grew up with. And so we've been friends for a long time. And um, anytime I see anybody from that group, it's it's like, you know, time hasn't, hasn't passed like it has, but it hasn't um, because there is a very deep connection and a very strong sense of belonging. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I know um, my son, when he was in college, he actually mm -hmm. had a professor to say that, um, you know, there was, you know, there couldn't be any communities anymore. Even the church communities were kind of a false sense of community. And mm -hmm. my, my son had to stand up to him and say, no, I know there is. I grew up in one. I saw one built. Um, and I was just very grateful when he shared that with me because he also shared that if, you know, when he has a family, if he can't find a community for his family, he will build mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. because he knows that they exist and he had that experience. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about mentors also, mm -hmm. and mentors are a big thing in leadership education. Um, did you have any special mentors? Um, one of the mentors that I had, uh, it, she, uh, her name is Julie Waddell. She was my mentor in Quest. And um, she was very impactful uh, because I, feel, I really feel like she was one of those people that really uh, believed in me. And I feel like a lot of um, teacher-student relationships, especially now being in university, the student is trying to perform for the teacher. They're trying to say, I have made these achievements. Is this um, good enough for an A or something like that? It's, it's, a, it's more of a performance base. But I really feel like uh, um, my mentor, Julie Waddell, we had a relationship. Um, and, you know, we could talk about things that weren't, even related to, um, you know, what I was studying or anything like that, because it was a relationship. And, you know, I would ask her how her aloe plants were doing, or she would ask me how my cows were doing. You know, it's not, not really related to anything that we were learning about, but because we had that um, relationship that didn't have that pressure in it, it made me definitely trust her as a person to go to for learning. Um, and when I needed help, I'd be like, okay, this, I need help. Uh, can you help me figure this out? And instead of just, you know, giving me the answer or um, she would help me learn and oftentimes we'd be learning together. And, you know, I had, I had various other mentors, um, but 
I really feel, for example, there is one professor I have here at BYU um, who I definitely feel like was a mentor. He He's actually part of the reason I switched to my current major, uh, wildlife and wildland conservation. Um, his name is Steve Peterson. I took a forestry class from him last fall. And um, he was him along with one other professor, but especially Steve, he was very much a mentor because he cared about me, you know, and he had a relationship with me. And to this day, I stop and I talk to this professor, even though I'm not in a class with him, um, because he has has a relationship and I know that I can go to him if I need to know something and he'll um, help me learn. And I definitely feel that's what a lot of mentors are in our lives. There are people we have a good relationship with because life is all about relationships with people. I, I mean, not life, but um, when we have interactions with people, that's a relationship. And so um, mentors, they're people who you have a great relationship with who help you learn. So we were reading um, Mathematicians are People to, to Today. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a book about lots of different mathematicians and what they did and what wrote about them and stuff. And we were reading about Lagrange. I can't remember his first name, but he was he was the man that instituted the metric system in France. Mm. And um, my daughter's trying to learn the units of measurements, and she's learning the metric, and she's also learning the imperial. So, like, you know, she, the inches and the, the the feet and the yards and <laughs> the mm. mile and is so much more difficult than the centimeter that you know everything and and she's like what why didn't we listen to this lagrange dude and change it when they like like they did this is so stupid we have this stupid metric system i mean we have the stupid imperial system and and then my other daughter she's like well it's because in america we just like our own ideas and we don't want to hear anyone else's ideas because we like to hear our own ideas. And we're like, if it's a good idea, we don't care because we just want to do what we want to do because that's kind of what we do in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just talking about it. I'm like, but what would be like the better response to have? She's like, the best response would be like, go with the idea that's the best, even if it's not yours. And so one of the things that made me think about that story while you were talking is that I feel like when you're in a mentee-mentor relationship, it can't be my idea is the best idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if I think as a mentor, I have the best possible path for you to take in order for you to have the best possible successful outcome. If I come mm-hmm. to the table thinking my idea is the best idea, <laughs> then we're stuck with the imperial system and doing 12 times whatever million to get the stupid inches in a foot, you know, mm-hmm. like, but if if we come to the table as peers and mm-hmm. even though i am in a mentor role but i see you as a, as a peer then i can hear you and i can see your ideas and, and then we can work together to build the best idea right like yeah um, and so i think one of the things i've realized is that while there's lots of maybe good teachers i think the principal element of being a good mentor is making the assumption that i'm no higher than you are we're mm-hmm. on the same plane. Um, I've just walked a little further along the path. So let's just walk together, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's when, like, if, if you find, you know, professors or anyone in your life who can see you as an equal and walk with you, then I think you'll automatically be able to have a good mentor mentee relationship. Absolutely. Difficult because I think 
a reason why you don't see it so much at the university level is because it takes a lot of humility to acknowledge and play that. And that's one of the things they said about this Lagrange character was that he was constantly looking for people who were brilliant, finding them and adding and building their brilliance by acknowledging it. And mm -hmm. um, and so it's, he was he would have been like a perfect mentor. But like it's it's inspiring to hear that you know mentors exist everywhere. We just have to be able to do in the work to find them, right? Yep. So like when you found Steve, what about him made you be like this man could be a good mentor for me? Um, for me it was uh, like you were saying the fact that we we met as equals. You know, Steve never was like, oh, I always know better because I'm the professor. Um even though most of the time he, he did know more than we did in the realm of forestry. Um, but he, he treated us as equals, you know? Um, and I really feel like that was a really important thing. And it definitely broke down some barriers because I feel like a lot of people, no one wants to be told they're wrong, you know? Like going back to the, uh, the example of Imperial versus metric, you know? You know, metric does make a lot of logical sense, but, you know, the guy who invented Imperial was like, you know, an inch is the width of my thumb, a foot is the length of my forearm, a yard is like my my arm to my shoulder, you know. He was like, that's super smart. He's like, it makes it way easier. Um, and, you know, if the if someone, the, the man who invented the Imperial system had been like, that's stupid, um, you know, then the, the first guy might have, Maybe that's why we have the imperial system. I, I don't know the exact story, but maybe he was like, I'm going to go do it my way. And, um, but I think that having that rela relationship of trust is really something that drew me to Steve is because I knew that he wouldn't, he wouldn't call me stupid and he wouldn't put my ideas down, but he would treat me as an equal and he would listen. It goes back to something else I've been reading is about uh, Adlerian um, psychology which he basically says you shouldn't have any vertical relationships in your life you should only mm -hmm. have horizontal relationships because at any point if you see someone higher or lower than you then 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 you cease to see them as a human with infinite capacity and capability and you see them as either a like either you see them as not capable and lower than you or you see them as or you see yourself as not capable because you put someone higher than you. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, if you want to avoid pain in your life, don't have any vertical relationships. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know. I don't know hundred percent. Cause I'm like, well, how about your child? Like my three-year-old is not on the same plane as I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a lot of truth to that with like, then I think, one of the things I've realized that in order to be a successful mentor is it does take that a lot of courage, a lot of courage to be okay with saying, I do not know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another, you reminded me of um, a place where I feel like the role has reversed. Um, my little brother is starting to, um, he's raising a, a steer for the fair, a market steer. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's been around with the cattle and stuff, but he's never done this before. And my dad doesn't really remember a lot. And so I feel like the role has reversed. And so here I am being like, I do know a lot, but also at the same time, there's things I don't know, you know, like um, my dad and my brother learned something the other day. And I was like, I didn't know that. 
you know, that's, uh, it's, you have to, you can't, you can't always be like, I know better because, you know, I could have easily been like, Oh, that's, that's not what I do. It's not the right way, but you know, it's, if it's, if it's truth and it's the right thing, then it doesn't matter who it comes from. It doesn't matter if it's my brother who doesn't know much about cattle or me who knows a lot. Yeah. The, the truth doesn't have to be personal. It's just the truth. You know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, that, that whole, I, I really like the fact that in leadership education, we talk a lot about principles and how things are principle-based and, you know, trying to find those principles. Um, it's, it's not, it's not something that is taught <laughs> in the public school system <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. So uh, I have a question. The mm-hmm. theme of this podcast is, is Lemmy works. That's the mm-hmm. name. So in your opinion, how does Lemmy work? And, and if so, how has it worked in your life? I, I am of the opinion that it very much does work. I, um, I feel like it really teaches um, you how to be a person, but also not, not just a person, but a good person and to think for yourself. Um, you know, I think sometimes I had, I had some of my peers in Lemmy who were like, this is, this is too hard. I need someone to tell me what to do. Um, and, you know, I see that reflect later on in their life because, um, I really think that, uh, this prepares you for life and what life really is, not just academia. Um, I think that's a big focus of maybe a public school education is academia. And um, I I definitely feel like I was prepared to excel there if I wanted to, but also I knew I could excel other places um, because of the principles I was taught, because of the person it made me into and the experiences I had, all those things combined to um, make me into the individual I am. And I think that if it, it just takes proper application, you know, like anything, if um, in public school, if you don't do your homework, you're going to get an F, you know, um, and let me, if you don't do the work, you may not um, receive the letter grade, uh, but it's, it's reflected in your own personal development. And I definitely feel like let me develop me as a person to be someone who is capable, someone who knows how to think, someone who can do anything that's thrown at me and learn anything that I want to learn. I, I don't feel restricted in any capacity. Like even when I was a dance major, I don't, there was, there wasn't really anything in Lemmy that directly addressed that. I don't, I don't, as far as I'm aware, there's no Lemmy dance class. Um, but because of what I learned and how I learned it, I knew how to um, get better at dance and learn the things I wanted to learn and um, to excel in what I wanted to do. Um, and I also learned how to learn what I want to do. Um, it's not just a matter of performance, but it's also a matter of the heart of it, of what is your direction. It's so true. Cause it's like, that's what costs some people thousands and thousands of dollars and 10 years worth of school. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know what I want to do. And so they struggle so much, but if you're willing to, I mean, I, I, it's so interesting because people often ask like, how do I know my kid will have everything they need? And it's like, well, 
let's look at some successful people in life and like what do you think abraham lincoln's greatest trait was well it was persistence okay well what grade in persistence did he get like Mm -hmm. you can't issue a grade for a character trait that is ingrained into somebody right that's something that has to come through experience and i feel like you know through the project-based learning you can experience what happens when you persist through the play you know or you Mm -hmm. persist through memorizing declaration of independence or you persist through reading all the books requests and writing all those papers like you experience what persistence can yield and the fruits of it and therefore the reason for doing it right so mm-hmm. i think the way that it's set up with project-based learning as the fundamental vehicle really does help us learn character like learn mm-hmm. those aspects of character that really are you know they, we, they have buzzwords nowadays about like emotional intelligence but it really is just like another way of of encapsulating the idea of, of character we're just gonna get mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like, yeah i definitely feel like it like you were saying it develops the person because you know for i i was thinking about your question like will my kid get everything they need and yes yes they will and it may not come in the same format it may not be handed to them on a platter um in the same way maybe that's not the greatest analogy but um because I was developed as a person, I have everything I need because I am my greatest resource. Um, you know, I, I didn't need to have all, um, all the accommodations laid before me because, because I was developing myself. If I needed that accommodation, I would find it. And that's the beauty I really feel of Lemmy is it gives you the tools you need to get the rest of the tools you need. Um, you know, cause even even in a public school education, you can't teach everything and you can't um, prepare for everything. It's not a it's not a fail safe success. Um, I think that I because I was developed the way I was and I learned the way I learned. I I have as high if not higher chance of success as any one of my peers who went to a public school. Right now. There is, I mean, with AI and all of the changes that are going around in the world, um, do you have a an easy way? I mean, do you have a vision for the future? I mean, what I'm just interested in, you know, young adults like you just looking mm-hmm. into the future. What does it look like to you? Um, I... I don't know if this is a me original or something I've heard, but I think the future is as bright as the people in it because that's what we perceive as the future. Um, And so I see um, that the future has great potential um, because, you know, we have, we have more tools and resources available to us than ever before. Um, And, you know, like that famous quote with great power comes great responsibility. you know, if we use that responsibility well, we can do greater things than we've ever done. And if we don't use it well, then, um, you know, things could be pretty poor. But I think that um, the future is as bright as you choose to make it. Um, Because really, we make our own future. And um, we only have control over what's in our own control. Um, And I think the more people who realize that, the more people who can do good. And I think that there is a lot of great potential for 
a lot of great things. And, you know, we are the catalyst. If we, if we choose um, the, the path of being that catalyst for good, then, you know, it's like a chemical reaction. It doesn't take much to make that chemical reaction happen, but we can be that catalyst and great things can happen um, with just, you know, it's not, not, not a Herculean effort, um, but an effort. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I love that viewpoint. I love that paradigm that you have. And I know that, yeah, you're going to go out there and, and definitely help. I know, I also know though, that, um, the fact that let me teach this. I I've seen it in my own kids. I see it in so many of the kids that I've worked with, uh, that, that idea of responsibility and that idea of purpose and mission definitely impacts how you view the future. And that's, mm-hmm. I'm, that's one thing I'm just so grateful for leadership education and that paradigm because yeah, I mean, it's like, we're telling you, you have a role to play in making the world a better place. And I see so many kids out in the world today who don't hear that. They aren't hearing that and they don't mm-hmm. see their place. And um, I, I've coached quite a few kids like that. And it's like, oh, it's so sad. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm very grateful that you do because I can definitely see you going out and making the world a better place. And I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to say or any other comments you want to make? It's been amazing. Um, I I will just say, if you're if you're thinking about it, you know, do it. If I think, Lemmy is a life changing experience and only one for the better. And you know, like anything good, it's scary to start, but but you know, um, I am I am so so grateful for my wonderful mother, who provided this opportunity for me, and guided me through it. Um, I would not be the person I am without her. And I, I value this. I value my education so much. To me, my alumni education will be worth more than my college degree. That says a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sterling. We really appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.